0: Our Heavenly Father, thank you that we can sing that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And Lord, thank you that when we open the pages of your word, that is exactly what you tell us. But now the hard thing is, Lord, help us to believe this. And help us to believe it as we live our daily lives before you. When life comes against us. When circumstances change, help us to know that we lean only on the name of Jesus Christ. And you will be with us through those circumstances. Thank you that we find this in your word. And so Lord, help us this morning to believe your word. Your breathed out word to us. Lord, may you take those words and touch our souls. Change us, O God, and use us and make us more like your son. Through your spirit, we pray. Help us now. Amen. Well, I love those words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's the theme of Colossians as we've been studying this book. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's what Paul was trying to tell the Colossians. Don't be led off by false doctrines. Don't be led off by false teachings, but lean wholly and solely on Jesus Christ and what he has done for you, nothing else. So let's go and look at Colossians Colossians chapter 1. We did... Um, verses 1 to 8 last week, and this morning we're going to be looking specifically at verses 9 to 14, but I want to read from verse 3. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 to 14. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since you heard of your since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth just as you learned it from Epaphras in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Wow, what a rich passage. And I hope you appreciate that we can't go through everything in this passage. We just cannot do it. And that's the beauty of Scripture, because every time we come back to a passage, there's more. It's like a, it's like a mine you keep digging into, and you never get to the bottom. And so I urge you, come back and back and back to this book. Reread the passages we've done. Because you'll get more jewels there for your soul. And so we're going to highlight a few things this morning of what God teaches us in this passage. You see, as Christians today, it's very, very important that you have a strong faith. Why? Why is it important to have a strong faith? Any ideas? Come on, Bo. Distraction. Distraction. Thanks, Bo. Distractions, yes. Anything else? Hope, yes. Anything else? Encouragement, yes. There are quite a few reasons. You see, in our secular society, which regularly scoffs at Christians and the Christian faith, it's really, really important that we as believers know what we believe and why. And most importantly, who we believe in. Because if we don't, we can become increasingly uncertain in our faith. And consequently, we can hold our faith uncertainly. You see, when the acid of scoffing starts eating away at the foundations of a weak faith, three things happen. You're attempted to abandon your faith and maybe trade it in for something Which is, in your opinion, maybe slightly stronger, or slightly more crazy, or more exciting. Something more real. Maybe like the Baha'i faith, which is very much around us. You'll see them in the avs sometimes, or their books, they'll try and sell you. Or maybe you'd think that maybe we should join the interfaith movement, after all. See, if your faith isn't strong, you can be tempted to abandon your faith and to th- chuck in the towel and say, well, that's it. I'm just going to carry on life. The Lord will sort it all out in the end. He will sort it out. Or if you don't have a strong faith, if you don't understand how your faith works and, and why you have a faith, if you don't understand what Jesus has done and why he did it for sinners, then you'd be tempted to water down the gospel message and maybe accommodate our culture and their expectations. And that's why so many Christians are pro-abortion. That's why so many Christians are pro-same-sex relationships. Because they hold a weak faith which doesn't understand the depth of that faith. And then there's a third thing, a third reason why we need a strong faith, and that is because when you have a strong faith, when you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, then you will be grateful to God. And you'll have a deep sense of gratitude for what God has done for you in Christ. And and you won't become engulfed in anxieties when trouble hits you. You won't be tempted to look for security in something else, something other than Jesus Christ. Because you're so grateful for what God has done. You understand, I was a sinner, I'm saved by grace. And so when the troubles of life come against me, I am a sinner saved by grace, God will not let me go. You have to understand that. And you need a deep faith for that. Otherwise, you can be tempted to go into other philosophies, like the Colossians were. Deeper life is one of the teachings that's around now. It's called deeper life. What is it? Well, it teaches you that you should have better contact with your inner self as a believer. So it's not about Christ. It's about having a better contact with your inner self. That'll give you strength in life. Or victorious living is another movement which is around. Now, yes, we are to live victoriously because of what Jesus Christ has done. But they use positive motivational exercises all the time. That's all it is. Or you'd be tempted to, and I use this carefully now, to join the mental health industry. Go and see your shrink every week because that's what we do. And when I was visiting in America, every second person has got an appointment with their psychologist every week. It's like feeding the dog. You need to go and see your shrink. And these are believers I'm talking about. And yes, at times you need to see these people to get help. And you need to go and see um, medical staff because you need help. But we shouldn't be building these things as a believer just because that's what we do. Because we start to lean on these things as crutches. And so that's why you need a strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so welcome to the world of the Colossian church. And what the Apostle Paul wants to do in the passage we've looked at this morning is to strengthen these Christians in their assurance of the hope they have in Christ. And he does this by expressing to them in his letter his prayer for them. Every time he thinks of them... Every time they brought to mind, the Apostle Paul and Timothy pray for them. What is their prayer? Well, we're going to look at this proper prayer today. This is a proper prayer. It's not just a superficial one. Firstly, we see it's a prayer of thanks. It's a thankful prayer. Verses 3 to 5. He says, we always give thanks to you. For you. When we pray for you. It's not an if and when I remember. It's when we pray for you. I love that. When we pray for you, we give thanks to the Father. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who are they praying to? They're giving thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The deity who are a trinity at work. God the Father, God the Son, deity through the Spirit. They pray to Him and give thanks. What for? For, and this is what we looked at last week, for the genuineness of these believers. What were the three marks of genuine believers? Can you remember? Faith in? Faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you. One of you get a prize. Faith in Jesus Christ. What's the second characteristic? Love for the saints. And what's the third one? Hope in heaven. A hope in heaven, which is an everlasting inheritance. So those were the three characteristics. Obviously, I didn't do a good job. Mark's of a genuine believer. But he doesn't just give thanks for them. He gives thanks for the fruit of the gospel, verses 6 to 8. You see, the gospel which came to them through the grace of God saved them. But it didn't just save with them. Three churches were born. And it didn't just go out from there. It went to the rest of the known world. And that's what he gives thanks for. You see, when the gospel message, when the truth is proclaimed, souls will be saved. When untruth is proclaimed, confusion will reign. And so he gives thanks that the true gospel message was spread, that it bore fruit, that sinners were saved by grace, and now the kingdom is growing. That's a summary of those verses. He gives thanks. He gives thanks for them every time he prays for them. There's a lesson there for us. I'll come to that later. And I love this. It's a meaty prayer. It's not just your normal empty prayer. Lord bless this day and uh, everything I might do and the missionaries. Amen. I it's a bit empty, isn't it? It feels a bit heartless. It's not the babbly prayer. 24 Hail Marys senseless words jesus warned against that in matthew 6 7 says don't heap up empty phrases so that you'll be heard by using many words jesus is not impressed by many words it's not a speed date prayer either the one you say just before you shoot off to work because you're late it's not one of those this is a meaty prayer it's a proper prayer And it's a prayer we can learn from. And I want to learn to pray like this for every single one of you. So what does he pray? Let's look. He says, Lord, may you fill them with the knowledge of your will. May you fill them with the knowledge of your will. What does that mean? May you fill them with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, says the text, verse 9. Lord, fill them with the knowledge of your will. Give them spiritual wisdom and understanding. What's the difference? Spiritual wisdom are the principles for living. Where, where do we get those? From God's word. And understanding, knowing how to apply those principles practically in our lives. Lord, give them a knowledge of your will. Give them spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see, the Christian faith is not just a good feeling. Jesus saved me. Yippee, I feel good. It's good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's more than that. There's depth to it. We need to have a knowledge of God's will. We need to know what His wisdom are. We need to understand that wisdom and then apply it in our lives. That's what He's praying for these believers. It's not just a good feeling. It's a deep and thorough knowledge based on revealed Scripture. How does God want us to live? Well, Scripture tells us. And then we we take those situations which come across us in life, the, the changing job situations, the which girl or guy should I marry situation, and we apply the principles of God's Word to that situation. And you need a faith for that. You need to understand how God works and how He's told you to live. So no, you can't just marry anyone. Are they of the same faith as you? Are they vibrant Christians who believe Jesus Christ is their Savior? If you're a believer, that's the only one you can marry. No exceptions to the rule, says God's word. Job situation. Which job shall I take? Well, I don't know. The Lord has given you wisdom. What are the principles for that? Am I going to have enough time to spend with my family? Why? Because my first priority is to my family under the Lord Jesus Christ. Or am I just chasing that next dollar? There are principles for living that God gives us. And so he says, be filled, Lord, may they be filled with the knowledge of your will. You see, for the Colossians, the false teachers were proclaiming to them that they weren't denying the Christian faith, but that they were lifting it a little bit higher, a bit more special than what you've been taught up to now, they were saying. And so Paul's prayer is that these Colossians would have a knowledge of the will of God based on the word of God so that they can stand against these teachings. They mustn't just stand against them because they don't like those guys. They must stand against them because God's word says this. You understand? And that's what he prays for them. And that's why it's so important for us as a church today and as believers to be studying God's word all the time. If you want to have a knowledge of God's will, your nose should be in God's manual. The Spirit should be opening that up and giving you the application of that in life. Yes? I want to be a person of God's book who knows the knowledge of His will. And not because I've got it from osmosis but because I've got it from God's Word through His Spirit. Yes, that's my prayer for you and for me in this church. But having that knowledge is not an end goal. Some people have knowledge as the end goal. I know my books, I can read the whole Bible, I've been through it several times. I know the words nearly backwards, and it's a knowledge which is just a goal in itself. That's not what Scripture says. That's only part of the picture. He says, so that they'll be filled with spiritual knowledge. The knowledge of God's will, so that they will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Ah. So, Lord, give them a knowledge of your will, so that they will walk in a way pleasing to Jesus Christ. There's the reason for it, you see. It's not just to get big heads. God wants us to know his word so that in our daily walks, we will walk and please Jesus Christ. How do I know how to please Jesus Christ? Well, what does he say? Oh, yeah. And then I apply it in my life. And the Holy Spirit helps me to do that. It's so that we'll walk in a way worthy of Jesus Christ. Worthy of being called a follower of Jesus Christ. A disciple of Jesus Christ. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ by your daily walk? Or just by your daily word? What comes out of your mouth? So that they would live in a way that pleases God, pleases Jesus Christ. In other words, holiness. So that you would be holy, set apart for Jesus Christ. You see, the the truth is that As believers, you and I are justified. Now here's a big term. Come on. What does that mean? Justified. Yes? Sorry? Just as if I had never sinned. So my position before God is made right with God. I am right before God. Justified. But unfortunately, people, here's the sad news, we're not yet sanctified. Here's another word. Sanctified means to be made to be like Jesus Christ. That's a process. Unless you're perfect already, ask your wife. We are justified, but we are not yet sanctified. We need to be made to be like Jesus Christ. And man, has he got a job on his hands. I know in my life. You see, we don't set the standard of our walks. Who sets the standard of our walks? Jesus does. And I believe that's why so many believers do not want to know more about this, God's word. Because it's too uncomfortable. Because God is now setting the standard of their walks. They can't set it any longer. And that is why many walk away to other things which are much more accommodating to their their way of life. Which provide many more exceptions to the rule. Because it's easier to do it that way. That's why many walk and live disobedient lives. And some are sadly, complacently apathetic about progressing in their lives. I meet them every day. I met one in the, in the bank, or not in the bank, In a, I won't say where it was, in a business this week used to go to church oh i don't need to go to church now i know god and yet in the very next sentence she was wearing using swear words to the colleague behind the counter in front of us the public which i thought was interesting but no need for knowing how to live anymore i'm leaving doctrine to christians holy christians who go to church me i'm all right are you one of those have you told yourself, I don't need doctrine. I don't need to know God's word. I'll be right. You're being deceived. Watch out. Because wisdom that excludes Jesus Christ makes him sub- and makes him subordinate is a false gospel. And you are being led astray. Watch out. Well, the Apostle Paul's not finished in his prayer. This, I told you it's a meaty prayer. So what does he pray now? Verses 10 to 11. Let's look at the text. Lord, I pray that you would give them all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You see, these false teachers in Colossae were trying to change the way the people were thinking by changing them from the the outside. They were telling them, do this. Don't do that and go on this specific diet. Okay? So do this. These are the things you must do if you want to be a proper Christian. These are the things you mustn't do if you want to be a proper Christian. These are our little tick box rules. And, by the way, don't eat these specific things. Because the Abrahamic law forbade it. And the Apostle Paul warns him, he says, You're not changed from the outside, you're changed by true spiritual growth, which comes from inside. And who can do that? Only Jesus Christ through the Spirit. He can bring that change. That's the only way. So that why? So that you would bear fruit in every good work. You see, these are the marks of someone who is walking an obedient life before the Lord, which pleases Jesus Christ. Bearing fruit. Are you bearing fruit? What do you mean? No, no, look in Ephesians and Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. Just some of these fruit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are some of the fruit. Are you bearing those fruit? Ask your wife. Ask your children. They'll tell you. Are you a believer who is bearing fruit in every good work? You see, in the Christian walk which pleases the Lord, there's no spiritual blobbing. You can't just cruise and hope everything turns out all right in the end. You need to bear fruit. No pressure. The Lord will give you those fruit if you are living a life which pleases Him. He will give them to you. They are His gift to you. They are, they are a spiritual byproduct of a righteous life. An increasing knowledge of God, says the Apostle Paul. Lord, give them an increasing knowledge of God, a growing knowledge of Him. A deeper and a growing love for God's Word as He reveals Himself to them. A sensitivity to the promptings of His Spirit. May they be growing in you, Lord, and in your knowledge. Bearing fruit, a growing knowledge of God. Tell me, if you think back on your life... Let's say, we won't take it long because I can't remember too long ago anymore. Um, Fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago. If you honestly look at your life, do you see a growth there? How's your spiritual growth chart doing? Is there need to be concerned? Are you flatlining? Or do you see your life becoming more like Jesus Christ because of what God is doing in your life? Because if you've reached the plateau, if you can't see any progression in your life, you need to seriously go back and ask the Lord to look at your life again. And help Him to bear fruit, to give you a greater sense of knowledge. And I can nearly take it back to this. You haven't been spending time in the world as you should be. Here is how you grow. Here is your spiritual food. If you don't grow, you'll become thin as a rake as a Christian. And that's not healthy. And then Paul prays, Lord, will you strengthen them with all power by your glorious might? Wow, what a prayer. How much might? All power through the might of Jesus Christ. So what are you afraid of? What a prayer. But there's a reason for that. So that they will endure and be patient in their current situation there it is in the text they need the source of power to be jesus christ himself with all his glorious might why so that they will endure so that they will be patient now endurance has to do with long suffering in the face of provocation in other words people stuff come on you all know what i'm talking about people drive you mad church would be so easy with no people You see, we need God's strength, all His strength, so that we'll endure provocation. And then, so that we'll be patient. I always had it the wrong way around. I thought patient was with people. No, patient is to do with circumstances and carrying on, carrying on, carrying on. Next step, carrying on. I'm patient. God will get me through this. That's patience. So Lord, give them Your strength so that they will endure And be patient. And do this all, he's not finished, do this all with joy. Now there's the rider. You try doing all that with joy on your own. Dark circumstances, people that are grumpy against you, and still be joyful. It's impossible without the might of Jesus Christ to help you, right? What a prayer. We're not finished. There's more. Verse 12, what does he say? So they'd be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Fantastic. So he asks for this whole prayer so that they will give thanks to the Father continually. they're going through all right time but they're in danger from these false teachers but he prays lord may you give them the strength they need may they bear this fruit so that through all this they may give thanks continually to you father for what what are they giving thanks to they're giving thanks to the father for this is really important you need to if you're sleeping wake up you need to hear this what do we give thanks to the father for For qualifying us for an inheritance in light. Wow. How do you qualify? You write your degree, your exams, get it right, marked it, 80 out of 10 or 65. I always used to get those. No, it's got nothing to do with you. God qualifies you for this inheritance with the saints in light. And the only way he does that is through his grace. He takes a sinner who is dead. He takes him. He gives him a whole new life and and a soul which loves him. And then he makes you right with him. And you qualify by God's power for that inheritance. We can't do it. You accountants sitting among us. I'm sorry. There's no way that we can pile up dollars, dollars and cents and pile it up to a nest egg in the kingdom. We can't do it. This is the one inheritance that only the Father can give because only He qualifies. He makes us right before Him. He qualifies us for that inheritance which is waiting for us, which will be there forever with all the rest of the saints for all eternity in light because he's taken us from the domain of darkness and put us into an inheritance of light. These are Baptist men. Where's the amen? You get that? And that's what the last two verses are about, and I'm not going there now because I'm doing that next week. At the baptismal service. What an appropriate place. God has taken us from the domain, from the rule of Satan, where only death exists. And he's taken us and transferred us to his kingdom, where there is only light and an eternal inheritance. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen, and all those things that come with it. Yep. Man, it should give you goose flesh when you think back. It should drive you to tears of thankfulness. But we forget so quickly, don't we? So what do we do with this? I need a volunteer. Jordan, you volunteer to come. They, they know me like it. That's how you volunteer. I pick them. Now, Jordan, stand here with me, please. We're good friends, right? Yep. yep. You're a believer? Yep. yep. Now stand here. Right, Jordan. I want to pray for you, Jordan. Now listen to the difference this makes. When we pray for each other in this way, listen to the difference it makes. Jordan, I want to pray that God would fill you with his knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in your knowledge of God. Man, that's not just Lord bless Jordan. Do you hear the difference? Lord, may you strengthen Jordan with all your power according to your glorious might so that he will endure and have patience with joy and give thanks to you, Father, who has qualified him to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, my fellow brother and saint. Yeah? What a difference. We should pray for each other more like this. Thanks, John. We should pray for each other like this, you see. So when you get your prayer directory or your church directory, look at each of those pictures and go to Colossians and pray for those people. In this way, give them a proper prayer. And God will speak into their lives. And we will see a major difference in this church of people who've been made alive before the heavenly father and made alive before a world that needs to hear about a savior who can save them from their eternal death we are the difference through jesus christ and his might let's give proper prayers for each other lord make us thankful for the rescue you've gifted to us let us not become blasé And Lord, teach us to walk in a way which pleases you based on a knowledge of your will in your word applied in life. Help us through your spirit, Lord. May we believe your word for what it says. May we believe the words of Eternal Father. I want to end with a little story. Because if you're sleeping now, you might wake up then. Story of Lady Anne Grimson. Now, anyone been to a grave site in England? No? Well, there you go. Put it on your... Oh, thank you. There are a few. So near King's Cross Station in London is a little chapel there called St. Peter's Church. And it's got a cemetery. And in the cemetery is a really interesting gravestone. A very unique one. And it's, this, it's the tombstone of Lady Anne Grimson about 200-year-old tombstone, and she was an agnostic. So she believed that you can't know anything about a God. And she didn't believe in God anyway because it suited her lifestyle. She was really rich, and she wanted to use her riches for herself, and she wasn't liked at all by a lot of people because she was so self-centered. But anyway, so Lady Anne Grimson did not believe that there was life after death because it suited her lifestyle. And so one day she sarcastically said to a friend, I shall live again as surely as a tree will grow from my body. In other words, it's impossible. And then to make sure that it's impossible, in her dying wishes... she she stipulated that when she was buried, she had to be buried in a marble tomb of a certain thickness with a marble slab on top of a very thick thickness. So they did that when she died. Now today, if you go there, what did you see? Anyone remember? Okay. You see a very large tree with four trunks coming out of it, growing not just... Out of her tombstone, but around it, and not just that, they try to keep people away from her tombstone. They've put a metal balustrade around it, while the trees push the balustrade right out the way as well. There's a lesson in that, but it's not the lesson I want to use. Here's the lesson: a tiny seed took root, and it grew. It cracked the marble. And it even tore the metal railing around to the grave out of the ground. Why? Because there's life and power in a seed. And there's life and power in the Word of God. And when we allow God's Word to plant its seeds in our lives, there's power in that. And so you might think, I can never change, but God's Word will change you. Powerfully, it will break rocks apart. It will break fences away from your life. If you allow his word to do what it has to do. If you believe the seed of God's word. And if you believe what God says he will do in your life. And in your daily walk through his word. You need to allow that seed in. And how do you do that? Go to the seed can. And put it in your life. Put the seeds in your life. His word is powerful. Let's believe it and allow God to bear fruit in our lives as this word comes to life in us through his spirit. Because he has promised he will give us that life. So let's take God at his word. And when you do, any doubt that you have about your faith will be driven right out the ballpark, never to be seen again. Praise the Lord for that. Let's pray. Lord our God, make us more serious about your word. Make us more serious about reading your word and listening to what your spirit has to say to us so that we will live lives which please you, Lord Jesus. Lord, make us more serious about putting you, Jesus, At the front and center of our lives, allowing you to tell us how to walk, not us dictating to you how we want to walk. Save us from ourselves, we pray. And Lord, as we trust you through your word to do a mighty work in us, we know that you can take that same little seed. And as we take it out to those around us, you will plant that seed in their lives. And it too will break marble slabs apart of sin. And give new life where there was only hollow death. And you will break apart any other baggage that comes with a life. Because when you save, you save to the uttermost. Everything else is gone. And your life remains. And then you start our lives with us, walking in a way which pleases Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to pray in this way for each other. Lord, help us to take our prayer lives seriously. Help us to pray for those around us, for our family members who do not yet believe. Help us to pray for each other as a church in this deep, meaningful way so that we will look with expectation to see the way that you answer those prayers based on your word. Lord, help us to pray for those we support in mission outside of New Zealand in this way. Lord, help us to pray for those that we sit around at the friendship lunch here in Wanganui. Help us to pray for them in this way so that they will see the light of the gospel merging in on their lives. Lord, thank you for your word. Make us powerful and efficient Christians because we live Jesus Christ and his word to those around us, not because of us. Help us now as we go into this week, we pray, to rely on your spirit through your word, through the power that you give, which is all power and might. Amen.